You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. A hand up. If you've ever played the game Chinese Whispers. A few here. Keep your hand up if you've sabotaged the game Chinese Whispers. Yeah, 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 okay. I, we're, we're on the same page. That's the most, that's the most fun bit. I was going to um, kind of tonight kind of get everybody to kind of send a Chinese whisper down the... Down, actually, it just felt awkward in the morning service, but, you, you know, we could, probably, we could probably do it in the evening service. Would you like to... Those of you who are, there's only one of you, like Andre, it's going to be pretty easy. Um, <laughs> all right, if you're on, on the, sort of your left, if you're on the left-hand side... I'm going to give you just just a couple of seconds to to think of a message. Uh, make it make it brief because we don't have all that much time. Okay, it can involve um, um, one person, one animal, and and a dangerous situation. Okay, all right, you got it, got it in your head. Okay, okay, just pass it pass pass it on. Remembering people's personal space, pass it on to the person on your immediate immediate right. We'll get it right over to the other side of the church. Okay, go go. Chinese whispers, okay, very, very easy to sabotage. Now, when it's a game and the message doesn't really matter, no problem, right? That was just, hey, that's fun. When the message really matters, like it really, really matters, all of a sudden it becomes very, very important. Well, there is a message that really, really matters and none more important than heaven's whisper. It's the purest message the world will ever hear. And I think you're going to be surprised tonight to find out the means by which Heaven whispers this critical message to a, to a hurting world. When I was very young, I think I must have been a bit of a daydreamer. I remember maybe I was tired too, walking to school, and I got right to the edge of, edge of the road and, and then just felt this jolt. Something stopped me. Nobody was there. Nobody yelled out to me. I just felt this jolt. And as I you know, looked up, a car, which was swerving just a little bit away from the, the curb because it had seen that I was in a little, bit of a little bit of a daze, you know, went by and I suddenly realized how close I had come to walking straight out in front of the car. I was maybe 10 years of age. And I suddenly realized that, wow, except that all of a sudden something got my attention or something stopped me. And I wouldn't be surprised if one day in heaven I find it was some angelic presence, just God preserving me because there was still a bit of a job to do. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But had that, that not happened, had I walked, walked out in, I would have walked in the front of the car. And until most of us, spiritually speaking, were stopped, we didn't realize that we were walking right in to a hellish eternity. But that's the spiritual reality that all of us face. Speaking into that, heaven whispers a very, very important message to, to all of us. It's the message of grace. It really is an amazing thing. And, and it, can, it can take you from the dark to the light, from death to life. It can, it can give you relationship with God and enable you to be reconciled to him. So we've been looking at this, this message of grace and just how amazing it is. As part of our little, little series here that's been going for two years now, nearly there, by the way, that as we abide in Christ, we bear much fruit to the Father's glory. That's John 15, 8. The secret to abiding is, well, a number of disciplines can help us. A, it's really good when we do it all together. Just gathering together often and frequently helps us to remember who it is that we need to remain in. And so, so that helps us to abide. The B stands for be still. 
That's kind of a reminder. We all live a frenetic pace. It's a busy world. We need to be still. I is for, we have a model in this. We're not by ourselves. Jesus Christ himself, to imitate Christ Jesus. Uh, We're just singing that, follow Jesus. D, our devotion to one another helps us to abide. And E, being envoys of grace. It's one of those interesting things that as you give it away, the more it becomes yours. So we want to be envoys of grace, we decided. That's the E. That's where we're up to. See how close we are to finishing? But before we can understand what it means to be an envoy of grace, we had to delve into, well, what is grace? We sing about it all the time. And uh, we say, grace to you. We say grace at the meal table when we've got food. Grace, what is it? So we've been looking at 2 Corinthians and in a number of pictures that Paul provides us with. Okay, this is your turn to, to stand up. If you're, if you're here for the first time or you don't know what we're about to do, don't worry, just go with it. It will make sense in a moment and you'll be a part of the cult. Series of seven pictures and uh, it starts with a huge coffee cup. Okay, we can say it all together, if, particularly if you know it, say it louder for those who don't. A huge coffee cup. In there is a, over the top is a beautiful, standing on top of that is a clay pot or jar. Pitched on, on the top of that is a, is a tent. In the middle there is, oh sorry, at the door there is a a globe, that's right. And then standing on the globe is a person with a very large hand. Ha! A very large hand. Okay. I never want to disappoint, not have a prop. There is a person standing on the globe with a very large hand. Okay. Talk to the, well, grab the person next to you and one person go, the picture's all the way to the top, the other person pictures all the way to the bottom. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that coffee cup was to remind us, particularly for those coffee lovers, of the beautiful aroma that it emits. And and this thing, trying to understand the nature of grace, uh, Paul is, is using that image to remind us that to God we are like the very aroma of, of Christ. Um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, brought the Father so much pleasure. He loved his Son. Uh, His Son was a sweet aroma, and you are exactly the same. You bring as much pleasure to the Father as Jesus Christ does. Do you know that? You're like an amazing aroma to, to God the Father. How could that possibly be? I mean, how? How could that be? Because of grace. It's an amazing thing. It really is. Now, What did grace do in your life that you would be such a pleasing aroma to the Father? Well, it's like the torch is like a light in your heart. It's it's like your heart was this godless dark void. And a light dawned upon it like the rising sun, and suddenly it brought life and color. It it brought you to life. That light has dawned on your heart. Your heart is is that, that very place. Oh, yeah, I know on the outside you, you look like an ordinary old Jay clay jar or pot and not much to look at, just an ordinary sort of a person. But, but inside of you is an amazing treasure, the greatest treasure the world has ever known. That treasure, of course, is, is Jesus Christ himself. By his spirit, he resides within you now. He lives in you. It is amazing. Everything is changed because of that. Now, how did that happen? Well, a, well, a veil, that, like a veil that used to be over your heart has been drawn back so you can have relationship with God. But there was also almost like a veil across your face as well. Now that veil has been removed and other people start to see this treasure that is inside you. The fact that the veil has been drawn back and you have this relationship, this, this intimacy with God. Okay, yeah, you get around in a pretty ordinary sort of a body like a perishing tent and and it doesn't look that much. All right, yep. But 
this is only a temporary dwelling. Your real dwelling, the real you, awaits you in heaven. And it's like a house of palatial splendor. It's, it's amazing. So, so, so don't confuse the fact that I'm just getting around, as it were, like wearing a perishing old tent for the time being. Yeah, I dwell within this, but this is not my permanent dwelling, just temporary. There is a wonderful house in heaven that is awaiting me. Jesus, the Son of God, has already gone to prepare that place for me. Now, all of this is because of the reconciling work of God. Just like, um, like a globe, a, a new creation, just as God created the world, he's done it again, but, but not the world. He's, he's created something new inside you and I. How did he do that? Well, firstly, he had to deal with that problem of sin, that huge debt that each of us owed because out of relationship with God, we'd built up a sin debt. The only way to be reconciled to God was to get rid of that. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus paid, paid that debt. And it's like we are a whole new creation now. The old is gone and the new has come. If we are in Christ, we've been reconciled to God and we are a new creation. And then Paul goes on to see, this is the amazing thing about grace. This is the amazing thing about grace. This is a whole new you. You are not the old person that you used to be. You are a whole new person now, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, so I am compelled to tell other people about the grace that I've been a recipient of. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm an ambassador. I, you know, um, somebody who's, who's welcoming people and saying, I have got to tell you about the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me. With a very, very big, big welcome. So that's the, that's the ambassador. That's where we are. We're finally at the E, the ambassador, the envoy, the diplomat. Envoys of grace. And now we understand the grace that it is that we're talking about. And, and we have these pictures that help us to see how amazing this grace is. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and let's try and understand this ambassadorial role that we have all been invited to, to share. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read from verses 17 uh, down, to, down to 20. And I'll start with that verse that we were touching on last week. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, because it gives a little bit of context here to being an envoy of grace. So verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Now, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So verses 18 and 19 tell us that this message of reconciliation has been entrusted to us. Remember I, I said it's a very, very important message for the world. You can be reconciled to God. Indeed, be reconciled to God. That's the important message. Heaven is whispering. And he chooses you and I to whisper through. Um, I remember meeting a guy many, many years ago. He was an older guy and he was is a, is a Christian athlete. And he was with some sort of um, veterans athletic 
association and there was this big competition and anyway it was this really big deal and and he was telling me why he couldn't get to church on Sundays it was because he was training for this event but he said but don't worry you see one day I'm going to win this event in fact I've got a very good chance of of getting gold and when I do the media are going to be there and I'm going to tell them you know all about Jesus and it's going to be televised and the impact will be amazing and he said you know I keep hearing about missions and stuff and just think about the complexity of sending people overseas and the expense it's not that hard with with a little bit of a little bit of technology we can you know i i really believe we can we can do the job i just stared him in in disbelief i i i couldn't couldn't comprehend how he thought that that there might be a shortcut to the mission of god i mean god so loved the world he sent his only son i mean it costs how is it that we think there are going to be shortcuts to make the job somehow uh, get done easier? We can't, through fame and technology, win the world to Jesus Christ. We can't just drop you know, generators and plasma screens and Jesus videos into tribes all around the world and say, press the on button, you'll be saved, and fly off to the next village. It doesn't work like that. God chooses warm bodies. He chooses you and I, and I know at times we feel so inadequate, like, who are we? Who are we to persuade anyone of anything? Surely you've got another plan, God. Surely you mean the person on my left or the person on my right, because I still haven't got my stuff together. You can't use me, surely. And God says, yeah, 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 seriously, you are my plan A. What's plan B? To go back to plan A. What's plan C? Plan A. D? Plan A. Plan A is it. And you and I are plan A. That's how God wants to get the job done. And Paul says, well, this is how it works. You see, the message of reconciliation has been entrusted to us. It's like, therefore, we're Christ's ambassadors. It's it's though God were making his appeal through us. There's, There's the problem. A little bit like Chinese whispers. God making his appeal through us. Cut me out, God. I'll get it wrong. I mean, who am I to talk about uh, the complexity of sacrificial atonement and, and how you cover over our sin? And I, I'm no theologian, please, Lord. There's got to be a plan B. And there isn't. It's you and I. We're the plan A. And he is whispering his message of reconciliation to the world through you and I. This role of being an ambassador, it, it literally, it's a diplomat. And, and actually, tracing that back, an ambassador, a diplomat, you know that they're a representative of a particular country, right? Well, well way, way back, they're like a herald or, or a messenger sent by a monarch or a king to convey a particular message, a, a proclamation. Um, one, of the, one of the classics from... Oh, it's a little bit from uh, not so much Greek mythology, but, but from it is a legend in ancient Greek of um, Pheidippides. And he's the, he's the famous herald or runner that ran from Marathon to Athens. Uh, 490 BC, Persian forces are invading, invading Marathon and they get caught in the marshes. So um, Pheidippides, he's the runner who goes to get help from the Spartans who were busy that particular day, some 200 kilometers he runs. And anyway, he comes back to find that, hey, we're winning anyway. So 
He goes on to Athens, and, and apparently he dies. But firstly, he gets out the message that the victorious, and his words are, Joy to you, we've won. That was his proclamation. And Lucian, the Greek writer, is, is using this story actually to talk about the origins of the word joy. The proclamation comes with joy. Joy to you, we've won. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 10 when the angel is, is, is pronouncing or proclaiming the wonderful message, the good news that Jesus, the, the Savior, is to be born, he says, I bring you good news of great joy. It's a proclamation. The angel is serving as the herald, as a diplomat, as an ambassador, one who bears good news, who's about to proclaim a message that will bring great joy. Almost always. But sometimes, picture this, you've got... You've got countries fighting, the Persians and the Greeks, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you've got a clash, you've got a war. There's going to be a winner. And the good news is that God, through Jesus Christ, has conquered. He has won. And the good news is that that message is about to be proclaimed. So a herald or somebody who is, is imparting this message, and Tim Myers talked a little bit about this in a theology class way back. Some of you will remember but the, the runner, the herald, the one who comes to proclaim, it's either going to be coming back to his, to his own native country. He's going to come and proclaim joy, we've won. Or he could also be a messenger to the, the country that has just been conquered. And in that case, it would, be a, it would be a message of here are the terms of surrender. Well, Jesus comes to us and he says, the kingdom of darkness to which you belong has been conquered. Now, joy to you. Why? Our kingdom just got conquered. Sure, but you were in bondage to that kingdom. Joy to you. Here's the good news. Joy to you. You're free. You can be free. But also, here are the terms of surrender. Because even though you're in bondage to this kingdom, you belong to this kingdom. And a new kingdom has just conquered you. Here are the terms of surrender if you will accept them. And that's what the message, the, the herald, the diplomat or the ambassador, that's their job is to, is to bring this, this message. In Matthew 24, 14, Jesus talks about the gospel of the kingdom. Now, we know from when Chip was with us that the kingdom of God rec represents the rule, the authority, and the power of God, the wrap of God. There's a great way of just abbreviating it. And Jesus is talking about the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. And, and he's essentially saying, his good news, the rule and the authority and the power of God has now conquered this dark kingdom to which you were once in bondage. Joy to you. Joy to you. This is good news. And here are your terms of surrender. You must accept me as both your Lord and your Savior. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached throughout the whole world. And then the end will come. Have you ever wondered when the end of the world is going to come? There will be wars and rumors of wars and famine and all sorts of disasters and so forth. Yes, these things will come. Jesus says, don't be alarmed. One of the most incredible indicators, though, that we have that, that the time is close is that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations. Are we there yet? Missiologists tell us not quite yet. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, actually. Not quite there yet, but we're close. 
when it happens, then the end will come. That's a promise from Jesus. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached. The word for preached is cariso, and guess what that means? Doesn't mean what I'm doing right now. It means to proclaim, to be a herald, to be a diplomat, to be an ambassador. Every one of us here is a certified preacher. You are. Whenever you proclaim the good news or things pertaining to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, whenever you herald that, whenever you tell somebody about the, the reality that the kingdom of light has conquered the kingdom of darkness, there are terms to surrender and you want to get on board. Every time you tell somebody that, guess what? You're preaching. We tend to think of preaching nowadays, don't we, as, well, yeah, what I'm doing or what some people who you might be gifted public speakers do from time to time. But the reality is it's, it's really the proclamation, the heralding of this, this good news that, that the kingdom of God has come. That's preaching. And you're called to do that every single day and when necessary, use words as well. Your life actually is a message of good news. It's like salt and, and light to people. Uh, I once heard a, um, a lecturer in missiology, and he was giving a lecture on mission throughout the New Testament. And he, and he touched on Matthew and, and Mark and Luke and John. He got to the end of the Gospels and uh, dabbled a little bit in Acts and stopped. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, we've got time. Don't stop. Don't stop there. And that was it. That was... That was mission throughout the New Testament. And I was thinking, no. Oh, don't stop before you get to the very heart of it. That is, every time Paul wrote a letter, all of his epistles, they have a kind of like a, 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 a two-part structure. Uh, the first part is, this is what you should believe. And the second part is, this is how you should live. What to believe, how to live. Why? What, what was Paul doing? Paul knew that each church represented Throughout the foreign lands of, of, of Rome, each church represented like a little mini missions organization. And they needed to know two things. They needed to know what to believe and then how to live. Because as they lived that out, here is the ethical life of the believer winning people to God. And indeed, historians and sociologists say that that is what conquered Rome. What conquered Rome? Their debauchery and so forth? No. It was the salt and the light of the Christians who lived amongst them. And we have historical record after record just talking about, you know, um, centurions and other governors of various provinces and so forth talking about the life of the Christians. It won them over. It won them over. What they used to drag into the Colosseum and make fun of actually ended up conquering an empire. The ethical life of the believers... Paul was right, what to believe, how to live, the life that we live, you and I, our ethical life that stands out from the rest of the world, it is like a veil is drawn back and people start to see something that they don't see anywhere else. Like, what is it about you? It's a powerful thing. It conquers kingdoms. And so Paul, understanding this, is prolific in his writing to encourage the churches and the leaders to, to live to live such lives. Um, many years ago, I took a fascinating flight from uh, St. Petersburg to Moldova. 
And I felt like I'd just stepped onto a, a movie set for you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. I was waiting to see Harrison Ford. But it was incredible. It was an old plane, you know, tilted, tilted back. I, I couldn't tell you the model. I just remember studying the propeller thinking, that's not good. And little stairs up to it. But what really had my attention was this, this Russian colonel or something. And uh, he was um, in this big leather overcoat like a leather overcoat. That's serious. That's the height of a cow right there. And he had a, had a shaved head. I mean, I, I looked hairy in comparison to him. And there were scars on him. And I thought that in his pockets, he probably had tools of torture. I mean, he just looked like, oh, you're a scary person. And I remember studying him the whole... I just couldn't... I, it was a little bit like one of those moments, I shouldn't be staring at you, but I can't stop. Oh, please, Lord, help me to stop. You know, we, we entered the flight. He was sitting a few rows ahead of me, which I was glad about because I could continue my study. And, and the, the cockpit door was open. They didn't even shut it. So the cigarette smoke from the pilots just wafted down the thing. The whole, the whole thing was surreal. And we landed in Moldova and, and uh, the leader of the OM work there, Matt Skirton, picked me up and... And, and took me into Moldova where he just, he took great pleasure just showing me the amazing work that was taking place there. They had about 20, 25 people on the ground there, many of them in families and so forth. My job being there was to understand the work better, encourage them, um, share some devotions, but also to be able to promote the work. And it was, it was, it was quite incredible. And then I thought about the infrastructure needed for that. Of course, you've got families on the ground. The international schools were non-existent. So, so actually, you had to have homeschooling and, and you had to have supporting churches from all around the world. And you had to have, um, you had to have the finances and all, all of these teams in, in place. You had to have a training school and, and all of this so that this, this group of 25 adults were able to minister there. In the, in the capital city there in Moldova. Well, God, God has another work. It's not in Moldova, it's in Australia, Melbourne. It's in this area, actually, Altham, and in the region, region around us. And the workers that he has sent to this particular place, you know, it's kind of, kind of cool how it works. They... The schools are already here. They don't necessarily have to homeschool, although they're quite welcome to. But, but there are some schools in the area that they can avail themselves of. And, well, the finances are mostly covered because they're actually like tent makers. They're able to actually work in this area and get jobs to pay the bills in, in what is one of the most expensive cities in the world to live. But, but, but all of that aside... There are people around here who desperately need to hear about this ministry of reconciliation. And, and the team that God has, has sent to this city and to the surrounding regions and so forth, that team is, well, it's Elfham Baptist Church. I mean, he's got some other teams at work around the area as well. But the one that you and I are most familiar with, this local expression of the church, it's Elfham Baptist Church. This is the team. This is the team that God has sent to this place so that we can be ambassadors for Christ. To talk about this, this ministry of, or to have this ministry of reconciliation and to preach the good news of, of reconciliation. And you might feel like, never thought about a mission field like that, but, but it's true. 
You know, your mission, particular mission field, you can think of it this way, just the, you know, five areas. Well, firstly, there's, there's your family. If it's not happening in the home, it's probably not happening. But then your extended family as well. All of, you, you, there's, your, there's your mission, your family, your, your friends, your, your, your workmates or study, study mates, students, neighbors, the people around you, and, and then just, just people you meet. Um, around this time last year, Bron and I were just on holidays, and uh, we're, we've been recommended by somebody that um, the best pizza in this particular town was at this, this, this place, we went out to this pizza restaurant where apparently all the locals went, none of the tourists knew about it. And there we were, and, and uh, we're sitting, sitting at a table, there was a couple of couches, and this elderly couple who were sort of retiring, you know, for the sea change, they, they sat down with us, and they said, do you mind if we join you? There doesn't seem to be any, any other tables. And, and we said, no, please sit, sit down. And, and he put down with his big bottle, of, big bottle of wine, and they had pizza coming and, and so forth. And we had been about to go. But we decided, you know what, let's, let's just... Let's just hang back a little bit and, and have a chat with these people if they're up for it. Man, were they up for a chat. <laughs> we had a fantastic conversation with them. We got on to what do you do and we, we didn't hold back. We told them exactly what we did and that got on to all issues of church and church life. And whoa, I tell you, there's some things wrong with the church and I found them out. Um, but you know what? All of that aside, this whole Christian thing's it's a good thing anyway, isn't it? And I thought, yeah, well, I think so. We had a great chat with this couple. And it struck me once more. You know what? In the right situation, the right circumstances, people are far more open than I, than I often, often think to talk about eternal things and important things. I don't know what our contribution was to the work of God on that night. I just know that we were available and we had an opportunity to perhaps just, just help them understand a little bit more of what it means to be reconciled to God and, and the good news of the, of the kingdom. You know, we are plan A. God is whispering a message to this world and he wants to use you and I. We might think it's a mistake. We wouldn't say that to God because he's God and you don't say things like that. But still in our heart of hearts, we might feel like, my life's a mess. Like there's so much stuff that's messy here. What sort of a witness would I be to God? Oh, I'm kind of so green at this. I, I, I don't really know how to talk about God type things. I haven't had that training course. There's a training course, I know. I haven't had that course who am I? Well, you are kind of ordinary, if you feel ordinary. God acknowledges that. Clay jar, clay pot. But you have this amazing treasure inside of you. There's the message. You don't have to have the perfect life circumstances. You know, wherever you walk, music plays and birds sings and, and flowers blossom just around you. You don't have to have that kind of a life. It doesn't exist, by the way. Disappointment. That's a spoiler. You don't have to have it all together like that. You can walk around and, 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 and flowers droop and birds are off key and all sorts of... Yeah, I know. That's kind of reality a lot of the time. It's not about 
the perfect set of circumstances that are going to somehow draw you to God. It's, it's yes, my messy life, and yet in the midst of that, a joy I can't quench, a love that's unstoppable, uh, everything that is true of Jesus is living within me, and it bubbles over, and I can't stop that. And people notice, yeah, amen. You don't need the perfect life. Just take the life that you have and Jesus in you, that amazing treasure. There it is. There's your qualification. That's what makes you an ambassador, an envoy. Colossians 1, 20, 27. Your life is hidden in Christ. Did you know that? And 127, this marvelous, marvelous mystery of Jesus Christ in you. I guess most of you were probably around for when 9-11 happened. Um, it's many years ago now. I, I don't know if you remember it. I don't know if you had the television turned on. I don't know if, if it struck you. I remember where we were. We were in the Philippines at the time, about two hours out of Manila. And we were running a pre-ship training course, meaning that about 90 people from 40 different countries had all converged uh, upon Manila, and they were getting ready. We were providing some initial training before they joined the ship, the MV Dulos. And out there, we heard word. My friend Russ Warren actually had been listening to just radio news, and he'd heard that the Twin Towers had been, been struck by airplanes. And, and I had to confess my ignorance. I really didn't know what the Twin Towers were, but I didn't know they were such an important American icon. And, and so when he told me, it was kind of just a little bit, oh, wow, I, I really didn't understand the impact of it. But I think it would be like some sort of a terror attack on, on Parliament in Canberra or something. It would, that would have an impact on us as Australians. We'd feel like, whoa, how, you can't do that. Wow, we've just been invaded. That's how America felt. And of course, we didn't know in those initial 24, 48 hours what was happening. And, and as, as people who had just left home and country and, and had gathered together there in the Philippines, we were all kind of wondering, what are the implications? What's happening here? We were ringing the Australian embassy and the, the American embassy trying to get more information. And they were, they were kind of, uh, listen, we think you should... We should come, you know, you should gather your people, come into Manila. And I was thinking, you know what? I don't think I want to go and gather in Manila. I think I like it out here, two hours out of Manila in a little countryside. And so we were talking to them about what our response should be. And that particular night, um, I was sort of leading devotions. We're sitting around a big bonfire out under the stars. And I was thinking, wow, you know, many, many of them young people who had come to serve God overseas and now the world had changed forever. And I was trying to, as I was praying, get a little bit of inspiration for what, what do I say to everybody about serving God as an ambassador, as an envoy, as a witness in a world that just got changed like this? What do I say? And I believe God led me to Philippians chapter 2 where, where Paul talks about having the same attitude of Christ and, and considering yourself as a humble servant and, and, and then shining like a star in the night sky. And so I said to everybody, I said, hey, hey, look up. And there was this, as you can imagine, out in the country, there was this huge black dome. I said, look up, what do you see? Some people said, oh, stars. And others who knew a little bit more about stars pointed out certain constellations and so forth. I just couldn't find the Southern Cross anywhere. 
Who moved it? To this day, I don't know. But we looked at this huge dark dome, and, and what do you see? Stars, constellations, and so forth. I said, isn't that amazing? What percentage of that huge black dome do you think the stars represent? Of course, the light kind of, it kind of gives a, an, an inflated percentage, but, but the truth is that all of those stars, put them all together, it's a very small percentage of the total black dome of darkness that we were looking at at that moment, right? But what did people notice? Nobody pointed out the dark, the black, or the night sky. Everybody pointed out the stars that shone. That's what Paul means when, he, when he's saying to the Christians in Philippi there, he said, I know you live in a world that's a dark, dark place, surrounded by this, this dark dome of black. But you know what? Christ in you, that treasure, the reality of Jesus Christ living within you, he makes you shine. And the contrast is astounding. You don't have to be anything amazing. You don't have to have super-duper Christian gifts to be an evangelist or a preacher. You just need the qualification of Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, you have it. And you are qualified to be an ambassador. Perhaps the only thing that we need to be reminded of is the fact that we firstly are certified for this role. The certification is Jesus in you. Secondly, Heaven is whispering, and people need to hear it. I do live in a dark, a dark world. I need to shine like a star in the night sky, and people need to hear the whisper of heaven, and I'm the tool that God has appointed to, to share that. By Spirit, He will lead you, and He'll show you how. But do you believe that unless somebody is able to share the good news that you are a recipient of, unless somebody is reconciled to God, then they do not know how amazing this grace is. Do you believe that? And if so, I wonder, like me, this is a very Australian concept, isn't it? But I wonder if, like me, you reckon they should have a fair go at it. Everybody deserves a chance, right? Everybody, everybody deserves the opportunity to know about the love of Jesus Christ in the same way that you and I have. And that, for Paul, compelled him. That was compulsion enough. This ministry of reconciliation, he embraced it and he understood that he was, as it were, an ambassador for Christ. Heaven was whispering. He was plan A. He had no choice but to pass it on. We've been the recipients of grace. Now let us pass that grace on to somebody else so that they know it too. Envoys of grace. It's not just an invitation to you. It's actually a statement of who you are. You are an envoy. You already are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And he wants to proclaim and herald 
the good news of the kingdom through you. Jesus, we still find ourselves saying, but who are we? Who are we? But we don't have to make a decision about this. We don't have to choose. We, we just simply acknowledge this is your plan. Heaven is whispering and you want us to pass the message on. Everyone who calls on your name will be saved. But how could they possibly call unless they've first believed? And how would they believe unless they had heard? And how would they hear unless somebody tells them, Romans 10 says? So please, Jesus, you choose to involve us in the most important communication there ever was. Would you help us to be faithful in this task? Help us this day, this week, to be alert to when you're saying, okay, I want you to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom. I want to whisper through you a message of reconciliation. Lord, we feel inadequate, but your spirit within tells us that in our weakness, your strength can be made perfect. So we're available. Let it be. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.